On this week's episode, we talk about disability representation in media. We discuss why it's so important to have accurate representation and talk about some of our favorite and least favorite portrayals in film. So stick around. Hello and welcome to Rare with Flair. The podcast where two 20-somethings with the same rare disease are living their best lives. I'm your host, Cassandra. And I'm your host, Casey. Hi, everybody. So we have gained some new followers within the past week or two. So we just wanted to say hi to all of you. And thanks for following us. And mainly we've gotten a lot of interaction on Instagram lately. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, we have a fun time over there. It's rare.with.flare. But you can also follow us on all the other social medias. And you can email us at hello at rarewithflare. We haven't gotten an email in a little bit. It's a little sad. I know. Feeling email neglect. So email neglect. Please, <laughs> please email us. Um, <laughs> speaking of social media, though... Uh, the reason, I think a big part of the reason we've gotten a lot of new following lately is because Case is on TikTok. So you should follow her on the tick and on the tick? watch her do the talk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really on TikTok. Um, it's what the kids do. <laughs> it's what the kids do. I know. Um, it's funny, Casey is older than me, and she's on TikTok, and I'm I on the TikTok. S- still don't know do what want, it is very well. Uh- <laughs> do you want to know a secret, like a little secret between you and me and, like, all of our listeners? Yes. I, I made, it's not that I don't like TikTok a lot. I do. I think TikTok has its place. But I made the TikTok mainly to get exposure for this podcast. Like, that's what we're really talking about <laughs> right now, you know? Because I care about this podcast so much, and I love it. And I was like... It's really hard to get exposure for a podcast. Mm-hmm. It really is. And we're so grateful for the people that have found us. But I was like, hmm, maybe we could reach even more people. And so that's yeah. that. That's where that Yeah. Happened. And she makes some pretty great, like, blindness-centric content. So give her a follow. What's your handle? At Casey M. Greer? Casey M. Greer. There we go. That's yeah. me. So... How was your day, Case? I saw that. So she posted on Insta for all of you listeners that Case picked up her new bioptic. I'll put a pic in the show notes because it's pink and so cute. Thank you. Yes, I picked up my bioptic today and we got a message asking us if I was driving. No, I'm not using it to drive. I'm just using it to watch theater, go to the zoo, maybe watch my nephew play soccer, that kind of stuff. Um, but we we do want to maybe talk more about driving in the future. We might have an episode about driving up our sleeve at some point. Possibly. In the future. Possibly. <laughs> but that was a good time in my day today. Pink bioptic. You've had a good... Have you had a good day? Like, overall? I like, did. Yeah. My... Uh, I, I I cooked. I'm with my parents this week, so I cooked them some dinner, and I was really happy to do so. It was fun. Ooh, I love cooking. What'd you cook? What'd you cook? I cooked uh, white bean soup. So, um, it's always been a dream of mine to have a subscription to New York Times Cooking, and I've tried to bootleg <laughs> their recipes for many years. Um, until now I decided like, okay, I I have a job. I should just pay for the subscription like a normal person. And (laughs) I highly recommend I've made some really exciting food from there and it just keeps getting better and better. (laughs) That's exciting. I love to hear it. I need to, yeah, I need to find new places to get new recipes now that I'm kind of into cooking. So that's exciting. But yeah, overall good days. Yeah. 
think we're ready to maybe hop on in. So, like we said in our little intro, we're going to be talking about disability representation in media. And I guess what we mean by that is, you know, as disabled people, how we best feel seen. Um, It's such an important thing. And I don't think a lot of people who are able-bodied have ever really considered this super well. Uh, But, like, we wanted to shed some light on what good representation looks like and why that really matters. So Case has some stats. I have some stats. I would call this a history fun fact, but it's not really history and it's not really a fun fact. It's kind of a sad fact. So this is just <laughs> this the stats, okay? Statistic sad fact. The statistic sad fact. Um, and we will put these statistics in the show notes, um, the articles. But so here are some sad stats for you, Cass. Just 1.6% of speaking characters in film have disabilities compared to the 25% of American adults that have a disability. So that is a big jump. And you want to know something even more sad? Only 5% of the characters with a disability were actually played by real disabled people. Wow. If you do the math, that's like hardly a crumb size of actual disabled people playing disabled roles. That so that's very sad. A bummer. <laughs> and it is. It's a bummer. And and you know, we want to talk about why why this is important and why it can be so damaging. Um not not only to not have disabled characters in media at all, but to have them and it not be done right. Like to mm-hmm. have a disabled character and for the the representation to be really inaccurate. Um so I have a lot of thoughts on this. I feel really passionate about this. I think a lot of people, if we ever say anything about this, people kind of write us off and say, mm-hmm. find something else to complain about. That's not a big deal, whatever. Here's the thing. It has real world ramifications if a disabled mm-hmm. person is is inaccurate in a movie. So, you know, we always talk about that we are living in the gray area between being blind and being sighted. Mm-hmm. There are we'll get, we'll talk about this a little more later in this episode. There are like virtually no low vision characters out there, period, that I have ever yeah. seen. And I've looked, and so have you. Trust me. There are not. And there yeah. Are, So then when people meet us in person and see us maybe using our white cane or our guide dog and using our eyes because we have some vision, they're they're perplexed by that because they've never seen it. Same thing goes for a person who is a wheelchair user who can walk because they exist. In fact, a lot of wheelchair users are not completely paralyzed. Right. So and in movies, oftentimes they are. Do you ever see a person in a movie in a wheelchair that's that's up and walking and then sitting back down? Absolutely not. This is why we get harassed in real life, because oftentimes the only interaction people will have with a disabled person is through watching them in movies. A lot of people don't Mm -hmm. know a legally blind person in real life or don't know, at least not like up close and personal. You know, you might like have an acquaintance. But yeah, anyway, I feel like I'm blabbing, but I have just so much to say. No, this is so meaningful because... It also contributes to other stereotypes and, and, you know, we'll dig deep into this, but it's also, you know, some blind folks have eyes that are possibly cloudy or closed or, you know, for, for different reasons because there are like so many different eye conditions, but you hardly ever see a blind person or <laughs> low vision, but we won't even, we won't even yeah. shoot for the moon here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, like, has, quote-unquote, normal-looking eyes. 
Um, you know, we, we sit and we blink and we make eye contact, even if we can't see exactly where the subject is. If you, if you check out the influencer Molly Burke, she's almost totally blind and her eyes are, you know, fairly normal looking. She can look and make eye contact and it looks like she's looking at you, but she's not. And, and that Mm. is like mad confusing to people, especially the eye contact thing. Have you ever seen a blind person in a media turn toward someone who was talking? No, they're always standing straight forward. That doesn't happen. Right. Oftentimes, that really bothers me when I see a sighted person playing a blind role and they're not ever looking at anything. Like, they're not looking at the people they're talking to. They're not even looking at, like... I don't know like it's they're not even looking at objects that they're holding like even Molly says that when she's texting using text to speech she looks down at her phone because it's just like natural for her to make those movements Mm -hmm. she's not just looking straight ahead into the abyss all the time and that's totally how sighted actors try to play blind people and and I'm I am sure that across the board with all disabilities there are so many incorrect stereotypes. I think we're more more familiar with the blind ones. I'm sure that deaf mm-hmm. characters are played wrong too all the time, yeah. and just like, and and you know, I've heard not- that a lot of like some often some of the ASL used or the sign language, whether or not it's ASL, is often not even accurate if the if it is a deaf yes. character. So, like seriously. Yes. Sign language is an entire language, and we can't represent that correctly. Like, come on, right. that's just right. that's just inappropriate. <laughs> right, and and this is the reason why I think it's so important for disabled people to be cast in disabled roles because if you actually cast a real blind person in a real blind role, then they would play it accurately because they they don't know any other way of life, you know, like. Um, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of people, when I make that argument, and I'll, I've made this argument on Twitter and online before, and when I make that argument, a lot of people say, oh, well, you just want doctors to play doctors, and you just want a firefighter mm-hmm. to play a firefighter. And as we've explained before in, in past episodes, this is not something you can take on and off. This is not a job. Yeah. This is part of you. And, and, and maybe let's pretend that the blind actor is playing a blind doctor they would still be playing a doctor they'd still be playing something different from them they're not playing themselves they're still acting but they're just Mm -hmm. not acting the disabled part of them because that's just a integral part of them that that can't change you know i think it's it's crazy and almost a little messed up that we've we've rescinded how you know people of differing ethnicities are represented in media and obviously we would want someone of the ethnicity being portrayed to play that role but why can't we have the same thing for disabilities right and we're coming in and even the ethnicity thing is not always accurate and i think we've come a long way in recent years i was actually just talking to my mom today about there's a new west side story coming out and i'm so excited about it um and we were talking about the 1960s version where maria who's puerto rican is played by a white girl and i'm glad that like that you know this new movie is going to be accurate um but it's yeah it's a long road but yeah it's like who can do it more accurately than the person that is living it, you know? And so, and the reason that's important, like we said, is because of the stereotypes. There wouldn't be any stereotypes if it were like a real blind person or disabled person playing the role. Yeah, absolutely. And um, something else that you were talking about when we were preparing for this episode is not just, which I feel like at a bare minimum, it it should be disabled actors and roles with disabilities 
But also, there's a, a degree of normalization that happens when a disabled actor is just playing a role. You know? Absolutely. I have so many thoughts about that. Like, my thing is, like, don't write a blind character or a deaf character. Write a character, period. Mm -hmm. And then when you're going through the audition process, cast a disabled person in that role. And then if you have to change a little bit of things, uh, just tiny things for the role, um, a perfect example is, like, if anyone has seen the show Stranger Things, the character of Dustin he they just wrote the role and then they cast him in it he has a i think it's a genetic disorder um that affects his bones mm-hmm. and things like that i i don't really know a lot about it but he a few times in the show he'll mention it just briefly it's not a big part of his character or anything he'll just mention like oh my teeth haven't come in yet because like his teeth were taking a long time to grow in and things like that and so that's all i ask is that you just write a role cast a disabled person in it and normalize it why are we not ever seeing disability is the biggest minority group and we're never seeing it ever Mm-mm. yeah and if we could and, see and it it would be normalized yeah oh yeah and, th- and that's but like someone's got to start the conversation and that's what we're here to do and hopefully you know if you see a movie or a TV show with a character with a disability, you might stop and think about it just a little bit more than you would have previously. And, you know, maybe ask yourself, is this accurate? And and especially if, like, the role was played by an able-bodied actor, like, you know, did, how at least how did they do their research? <laughs> like, did they just yeah. think about how that came up? Or, or did they actually observe and study other people with disabilities at a basic level. Yeah, and I think in the writer's room, we need more disabled people, too. If you're going to write a disabled character, it needs to be written accurately. I auditioned for a blind role once, and we'll get into this a little more, but I auditioned for a blind role, and, like, yes, I am legally blind, so that part is accurate, but the writing was so off and bad about what Mm. a blind person would do and say that I was like, even if I played it, it still wouldn't be accurate, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And we, you know, we we don't want to spend this whole time just talking about, like, what's bad about this. Because I think, hopefully by now, you understand why this is important. But we also kind of wanted to talk about some of, th- some of the best representations we've seen. Obviously, there's a lot of bad ones. And we don't need to, like, harp on those. But yeah. there are some really great examples of, of good roles and, you know... Whether or not they're perfect and ideal and always played by an actor with disability, well, you know, again, we would love to shoot for the moon, but still. (laughs) Yes, yes. Do you want to talk about some? We both have a list. We could, like, go back and forth with some of our favorite blind and or disabled roles. Go ahead. Um, So my favorite, I think my favorite blind representation is a character in the TV show that's currently on called This Is Us, and it's a very small role. He isn't in it much, but it's a blind man. Uh, like, he's in his 20s, I would say. And I really love this for a few reasons. A, it's played by a real legally blind actor. His name is Blake Stadnick. He really is legally blind. Wow. I know. It's shocking. Also, B, he has some light perception. So it's actually cool to see a character who's not completely blind. He's a little bit more low vision. He's, he, I don't know, he kind of plays it a little more completely blind, you know, because it's just light perception. It's not like any details or colors or anything. But still, it's cool to hear that on a TV show that it's not someone that's just seeing complete darkness because that's very rare in the blind 
online community to just see nothing at all. Um, yeah, actually, truly. We've mentioned the statistic before of like 90% of what's considered blind people have some degree of, of vision, whether that's just light perception or, you know, other things. But it's not just like blackness. I think that's a common misconception. Oh, yeah. And media makes it a common misconception, you know. But um, it's really funny because there was this scene on the show where he had a baby and he was holding his wife, you know, putting his arm around his wife's shoulder and looking down at the baby. And so many people on Instagram were saying, oh, I think he got his vision back. I think he got his sight back because he's looking at his baby. And that just annoyed me so bad because I was like, he's looking in the general direction of where he knows his baby is. Like, he's not just going to look straight ahead. That's what we were talking about earlier. It's like it would be so phony to just look straight ahead when you know the baby is right below you you know yeah it's in your arms besides what's the fascination with getting his sight back is that such a big deal why can't he just be a blind father that's it they were acting excited about it like they wanted him to get his sight back and it's like finally we have a blind character and you just want him to not be blind (laughs) but um, but i was gonna say one more thing they actually also went to a conference for blind families on an episode and there was a girl with albinism on there there was a girl with a pink cane that i like i have on there and it made me want to cry because i've been to a lot of conferences and it was so cool to see so i think they're doing a great job over there on this is us with that um it's a small it's a small character like i said but it's so great so if you've seen it i i love that i love that that's so awesome and while i haven't seen that i know we've both seen Avatar The Last Airbender. We've talked about Toph before, but we really want to give her a moment in the sun because she's such an incredible character. Um, You know, she is more on the totally blind side. That is definitely how she's perceived. Um, And her thing is in the show, she's an earthbender. So um, she uses a lot of, of the vibrations in the earth to feel where people are, and that's how she is able to fight really accurately. And so she never wears shoes in the show so that she can be, like, closer to the ground. Um, she's a really incredible character. I very much relate with her because she is not just, you know, just a, a really mild-mannered kind of a girl like she is is very like intense and kind of aggressive and she's awesome and very powerful which is cool because like she had I don't I hope this isn't a spoiler for people but like she has like a a strained relationship with her parents because her parents want to shelter her from the world and they don't really think that she can do anything because she's blind but in reality she's just super super strong and one of my favorite things about her is the amount of of blind jokes that she makes in her role and that are like are comfortable and you can tell the group is a little awkward about it at first but then you know they laugh along and honestly I do that in my daily life and it's so great to see that yes if you're in the blind community and you haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender I recommend it even just just to see this character because it's so refreshing to see a young girl who is blind Mm -hmm. because most Cassandra and I were talking most blind characters are male I'm not sure why um most of them are not young they're in their adulthood and you know she's young I would say maybe like 12 or something yeah Um, she's like the littlest one there I think she's young and she yes the blind jokes are so refreshing because 
I think a lot of people, a lot of writers would shy away from that, not wanting to offend anyone. But she makes blind jokes all the time. And that's how Cass and I are with our friends in everyday life. Like, I'm constantly joking with my friends. Oh, I can't see that. Oh, and it's just so real and relatable. And she does have magical powers. And that's something, like, we'll kind of get back to is a lot of blind characters seem to kind of have powers um, in order to, like, survive their blindness. And that kind of annoys me. But in this show, everyone has, pretty much everyone has powers in this show. So it's not like it's only her or anything like that. But I think it's a great, great representation. Um, The next one I wanted to talk about is this character from the 90s animated movie. I've talked about it before called Quest for Camelot. Um, His, I think his name is, ooh, I forget his name, Garrett or something like that. It's a G, G name. Um, And... This movie came out when I was, like, five, and I just immediately gravitated towards this character, and I knew he was like me, and it's really sweet and kind of sad to think of, like, young Casey, who never saw herself um, represented. Not only did I never see myself represented in movies, I never saw myself represented in real life. I never really knew anybody like me growing up. I knew one person, and... So I remember when this movie came out, my mom was really excited by it. My mom was so excited. There was a blind guy in it, and so was I. He's a really cool character. He sings some really cool songs, um, really great music in that movie. So I was into it. He's kind of a hermit who lives alone in the forest, which, like, I can totally get behind. So, And he falls in love with the main character, and it's really cool. So I appreciate That's that. awesome. Yeah. You need I to love watch seeing it. Especially, like, really early representation like that, that it was, like, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's it pretty was, cool. It was good. I mean, he's completely blind, of course. Yeah, like we're not shooting for the moon with low vision characters right. here. <laughs> One day, if there was ever a low vision character, I would ball my eyes out in the, in the theater. Like oh my God. that would. That's how much it would mean to me. And I know that might sound silly, but truly, I've never seen it ever, Mm-mm. ever. Well, so, it makes you feel seen as a person. Yes. Um, and, like, your lived experience is, is being partially reflected, like, in a way that, you know, lots of people will probably see. Like, wow, that's so difficult and rare. It's why we keep joking about shooting for the moon. <laughs> oh, literally. It would be a... I, maybe... I kind of imagine myself, like, in my 50s seeing that. <laughs> I sure hope we don't have to wait that long. Well, I mean, I'm going to be 30 coming up here, so I don't know, 20 years? Hopefully not that long. Hopefully not. I really hope we don't have to wait so long. I don't know. I I wanted to... (laughs) I wanted to talk about another character that I really liked. Unfortunately, not played by a disabled actor, but I liked the character. Um, It was in uh, Star Wars Rogue One. There is a character, I think... I haven't seen it in a bit. Okay, don't at me. But uh, I think his name is pronounced Chiru <laughs> or or Chiru. I again, I saw it like three years ago, and I haven't I haven't watched it again. But it was really great because he's like a blind monk, and he is also like a really impressive fighter. Um, I don't actually remember if he's, like, a full-on Jedi and if he is able to have the Force, but he does, like, a whole lot of meditating. Um, You know, parts of it are a little bit stereotypical. He has, like, you know, kind of clouded eyes and, and, and whatnot. But still, it's great that, like, in the role, he was given a lot of dignity and a lot of power. And I think that... Um, so many disabled characters are often just kind of there for the looks 
Uh, it's yeah. like, oh, look, we're diverse here. Um, we have a disabled character. But um, to have, like, a real active role in, in the plot, and he was very necessary, uh, was really, really great to see. Yeah. And then I think my last one, and kind of maybe um, our last blind one, unless you have one more, uh, we were going to talk about there is one low vision character, actually, that we've seen, and it is an animal, which is why I don't really count it. It's an animated animal, but it was still cool. So it's in the movie Finding Dory, and it's a whale shark named Destiny. And she's low That's vision awesome. and she's like running into walls and she <laughs> she's a really sweet, good character. And I I don't think it's representation because it's not showing a real person like in the world and like the stereotypes are still going to be there. If you put a, a, you know, like a whale shark is not going to break stereotypes and break barriers, but it sure. was still cool. It was cool to see a low vision character rather than a fully blind character, I think, for a change. I think it was cool, too, because in the movie, like she will just describe things by shape, uh, which I feel like is pretty (laughs) accurate to our experience. She's like, are these blue blobs your mom and dad? (laughs) Yeah. No, like, it was pretty accurate, actually. Like, I really appreciated it. I I got a kick out of it. I felt seen, even though it was an animal. I was like, this me. (laughs) But, like, we got to take that just, like, another step further and have it be, like, a human person. (laughs) A human person. That would be very nice, even if it was animated, as long as it's a person. We also wanted to mention a couple of, I think both of these are Pixar movies, uh, that um, we just, is more like general disability. I know that like this episode, we were kind of just speaking from our own experience as like blind individuals and and what we've seen and what we've experienced watching uh, media like this. But uh, I know that like I wanted to talk about Wreck-It Ralph and how much I love that movie as, like, a really great disability uh, positive movie. Um, So there is a character that she has, like, what, what they call, like, a glitch, and so she will, like, kind of pixel out at moments, and she's honestly really bullied for it to the point that it's, like, pretty intense at, at one point, and, like, really it gets really real um which Mm -hmm. is sad but it's cool because she like ends up embracing it and like not you know she never gets rid of it like it's just part of who she is even at the end maybe a spoiler but she still like opts to keep it and i think that that's awesome that then she also like makes friends and um you know it's great. And I think it's so special that, um, you know, she, as a misfit, still ends up having friends in the end. Uh, and, like, I don't know. She she doesn't ever feel ashamed or she's never fixed. And mm-hmm. I think that was the special thing for me is, like, what you were talking about, the people on, on the Instagram for This Is Us. It's like, we don't have to be fixed, you guys. See our Cures yeah. episode. Yeah, see our Cures episode. But... Absolutely. I love that movie, too, and I think that's that's great. Yeah, um, I think another movie that handles disability um, themes really well is Finding Nemo. And we, So we just talked about the sequel, Finding Dory, but this is Finding Nemo. So Nemo, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it, but the main character, Nemo, he has one fin that is really small after an accident he had when he was young. Um, and so it's like it doesn't work very well. He can't swim as fast. And the way, the two ways I think it deals with disability really well is 
he's ready to go live his life and his dad is very overprotective. And I think in disability spaces, a lot of people can relate to parents Mm -hmm. being overprotective and scared for you to go out into the world with your peers. And then another thing that I love is there's a scene where Nemo meets another fish with his same disability, with the same fin problem. And... Nemo is afraid to do something and that fish like get, it's so weird me, me talking so seriously about something saying that fish but um <laughs> yeah that character I think his name is Gil maybe um yeah Gil gives him like the confidence he's like you can do it like I believe in you I I know you can do it and I remember this movie came out when we were children and yeah. I remember seeing it and obviously at the time I wasn't like thinking about deep themes and I wasn't really relating it to disability but I just knew when I saw it and when I saw that specific scene with Gil like I like really felt it and really related to it and I was talking to Cass about this this kind of leads me into another little side tangent I was talking to Cass about how, like, any time we would watch a movie growing up with, like, an underdog, outcast, disabled person in it, no matter if the representation was good or not, we really, really grasped onto it and related to it. And I think that's because we had totally. nothing else. We had nothing else to grasp it on. Yeah, so onto. could you imagine how, like, disabled kids growing up, if there was a really good Ugh. example like, how they would feel if we even felt relate like, some sort of kinship to, like, a wheelchair user. We're not wheelchair users. Yeah, I feel that, like, though. I feel that, though. Yeah. I feel that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. my person. That's my dude. Like <laughs> Yeah, like, I saw a movie when I was young about a little person, um, you know, with dwarfism, and... And I was like, that's my person. Like, that's me. That's me. You know, and I was like little, but I just knew that that was the Casey character just because like I was the only one at my school with low vision, the only one. Mm -hmm. And like this movie, it was like that kid was the only disabled person around. And I was like, yep. Like, and so, yeah, it would be so beautiful if it were more accurate and more often, but you know, we got to grasp on to what we have and we didn't have that much, but we had some. So y'all, we can were, shoot for the moon, we can shoot for the moon. So <laughs> those were our favorite ones. And we could, we could go on and on and talk about bad representation and our least favorite, oh, but we yeah. decided not to do that. Like those movies have already been made. Um, they're in the past. They're not going to be changed. We want to look to the future and talk about what can be done and what can be changed. So positive reinforcement. Yeah, and really quick, I was going to talk about, I, I lived in New York for a few years, and I did some some disability open calls, and some I auditioned for many blind, not many, probably like, you know, five blind roles. They don't come up that often. Um, and some of them were cast, they cast sighted people. Some of them, they, they did cast blind people that I auditioned for. I think what I learned from this experience is there are a lot of disabled people out there who are very talented and ready to work. And I think a lot of people online, when we say we want disability representation, they say, well, there just isn't enough disabled people out there. There's just no talented disabled people out there, which is clearly not true. Um, It's a very large minority. There are a lot of us. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I went to a big disability open call with hundreds of people. I still get emails from that open call. That was in 2018. Um, And so, like, you know, there are people who are talented and I've seen them and I I want I want them to succeed because if they succeed that means 
that's going to impact all of us in a positive way. So it's a I win just want for to everyone. Say that. <laughs> it's a win for everyone. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so cool that you had the opportunity to, to participate in that space. And, and, you know, you can say firsthand, there are a lot of talented disabled people out there. Oh, 100%. Um, absolutely. There was even a theater that I was not not really involved with, but I went to see some of their productions. And it was a theater that um, has disabled actors just playing normal roles. So it would just be like That's a normal so show cool. and they would cast them. And so like it was they were so talented, too. Like they're ready to yeah. work. You know, I think I think casting directors are scared to put them in their movies and stuff because they don't know how to accommodate for them. And they're scared to deal with all how hard the accommodations might be. And that's unfortunate. I feel like that's an overall problem in the workplace in general, not just in mm-hmm. acting, but everywhere. And yeah, that's that one does of the point to a much deeper issue. A much deeper issue. But that's one of the reasons why they're not being cast as much, I think, too, is people just don't know how to ask these questions and how to... They just think, oh, I can't accommodate you without even trying. And that's People don't know enough disabled people, maybe because they don't see them in the media. Um, But, you know, and this is part of the reason why we do this podcast. We hope that in some small way we can help people understand more about the disability lived experience through our stories. And there are so many other disabled creators out there. Like, you should really continue to to learn about the space and and it's actually like really big (laughs) yeah absolutely and you know what my next goal is disabled disney princess (laughs) oh my goodness i would die i would die i would die anyway are we done with this because i know we have a fun game but i we have a really fun game that we're super stoked about we're so stoked no one else might care but we're so (laughs) stoked (laughs) <clears throat> we have a game. a game. We had to do it. Sorry. How dare I announce the game without singing it? How dare I you know. Try? Wow. So rude of me. I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. No, we re- we have a really fun game. We wanted to do a movie-related game. We love here at Rare with Flair. We love a good movie, and we, we sure wanted do. to just ask each other, uh, kind of rapid fire-ish questions about movies and so you'll get to know us a little better and know what our favorite movies are and if you haven't seen these movies we highly recommend them so we think you should go watch yeah. them yeah we're so we're definitely gonna rapid fire but we may or may not have an episode where we talk more in depth about some of our faves yeah and like we can we can say maybe a quick little little sentence i don't know i think we might have time if you want to yeah. we'll, we'll give it a shot mm-hmm. okay cool cool okay um number one a movie that makes you cry. Okay. Y'all, I don't cry that much at movies with, like, real people. I'm not gonna... I'm just gonna be completely honest. <laughs> Animation gets me. It does. <laughs> so Monsters, Inc. wrecks me every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Um, I feel that. Also, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. An excellent Ooh. movie. Haven't seen you it. You should totally see it. Haven't seen it. Okay, great. So mine um, is My Girl. Uh, I think... Oh. Do you, Have you seen it? I have not. I've heard of it, though. Oh, no explanation needed. If you've seen it, you know why you cry in that movie. It is so good. Oh, man. Okay. Number two. What is your favorite rom-com? Okay. My favorite rom-com of all time. It. I was telling Cass on the phone, the title, if you've never seen it or if you've only seen it once a million years ago, it sounds really cheesy. But to me, it's really poignant and deep. And that is... <laughs> I'm embarrassed. 13 going on 30. <laughs> I haven't seen, seen that. You haven't seen it? 
I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? Okay. It has, like, It's a Wonderful Life vibes. Yeah. Um, okay. Like, I love it's, it's a Wonderful Life. It's, it's meaningful to me, and I've seen Ooh. it a billion times, and I love it. And I also really love Legally Blonde. That's another oh, one. That's, a, that's a, like, a Power Woman movie, though. It's a Power honestly. Woman movie. Yes. What um, about you? You've Got Mail. Oh. Right at the top of the list. I love You've Got Mail. And so I love that one. movie so yes. much. I love and it, too. My big fat Greek wedding because oh, it's like too. every immigrant experience. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. Yes. Okay. Favorite animated movie? What is it? There's so many, y'all. I you, you you'll probably notice a trend. I gravitate to animation and comedy. That's that's what I do. Okay. Um. So I love Shrek. I love oh. Toy Story <laughs> too. I love because I grew up with Toy Story two specifically, so like uh-huh. that's that was like that's my nostalgia movie. There's just so many good ones. I could not. I could not. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. My favorite animated movie is one of my very favorite movies. Period, and that's Anastasia. I just <gasps> so uh, good. Obsessed. So good. I I was obsessed when I was a kid. I'm still obsessed now. <laughs> the casting in that was yes, like incredible. I don't know how they got Christopher freaking Lloyd to oh my play gosh, Rasputin. We've, we've both put a Meg Ryan movie so far as our favorite <gasps> already. <laughs> she's, she's and Tom Hanks just, because Toy Story. <laughs> um. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Tom Hanks is like one of the ultimate actors. Ultimate. I don't know. Ultimate. Okay, number four. What is like a feel good comedy? Okay, that you my love? favorite comedy. I've watched it a thousand times. I quote it daily, and it's like one of those that's like you either love it or you hate it. It's Bridesmaids. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen I'm gonna be in like three weddings next year, and I have Please to watch cast it. Immediately watch Bridesmaids. I'm obsessed. <laughs> One of my my good friends that I lived with when I was in college, she would, like, quote that from me to me. She's like, you you smell like pine needles and you have a face (laughs) like sunshine. And she'd, like, yell it at me and it was so funny. It's, I can't even describe my love for it. it. And the thing about it is it makes me feel good whenever I'm down. Like, whenever I'm sad and I need to pick me up, I'm watching Bridesmaids. Oh, I love that. What about um, you? Mine, so this is another movie. My brother and I were particularly obsessed with Nacho Libre. So <laughs> funny. We love, yes. like, I love Jack Black. Yes. It's totally. just hysterical. And then Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I love oh, that Oh, I haven't seen that in years and years. Oh, my I God. It's, it. it's so offbeat. And, like, some people yeah. just despise it. But I love it. It's so yeah. dumb. No, I love that. <laughs> Okay, movie with the best soundtrack. I have to go back to The Secret Life of Walter Mitty because oh. it's so good. But I don't know if you've seen the movie Chef. I think no. it's on Netflix. Killer soundtrack. Ooh, okay. I need to watch The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, too. I've never seen it. Um, I love that movie. My, <laughs> one of my favorite soundtracks is 500 Days of Summer, which is also one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Ooh. But I really the soundtrack is really, really chill. And it's like... Every song is good. You could just put it on and, like, have a chill day. I love it. That's awesome. I gotta say, I've never seen Twilight. I never read Twilight, but the Twilight soundtrack <gasps> the Twilight slaps soundtrack hard. slaps hard. I'm, like, I'm such a, like, a little alternative baby, so, like, it's got such good vibes to me, but no, I've never that, seen Twilight. That is, like, such a good answer. That would be my number two answer. Twilight soundtrack. <laughs> so good. 
Okay, favorite musical movie. Okay, I'm, you know, I think, obviously, like, I love the music to, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Mm. Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, Mm. like, all those animated. But if we're talking non-animated, I think I have two. The Sound of Music is just flawless, literally. Stop! I put The Sound of Music! The Sound of Music? Oh, my God. Yeah! I mean, it's because it's the best. It's because it's it's the best. so good. You can't beat it. I'm sorry. But then also, I'm a big Moulin Rouge fan. Even oh, though it's Moulin like, Rouge! I love Moulin Rouge. It's not really a gr- musical. It's kind of a jukebox situation where it's like different artists' songs, but I freaking love that movie to my core. It's great. Yes. Okay, next. Best coming-of-age film. Princess Diaries. <gasps> I tried so hard to put The Princess Diaries on my list somehow because that movie means so much to me. And I'm so grateful. I love that. Yeah. Um, and also Napoleon Dynamite. I love that movie. <laughs> it's actually, su- like, it's kind of, it seems kind of dumb, but honestly, it's surprisingly deep. I, I've watched it a lot growing up, and then I feel like more as, like, a like a young adult, I started to, like, really get it. And it was I like, oh, that. this hit, like, too close to home. No, I feel that. I feel that. My favorite coming of age is Now and Then. Have you seen that? No. Up Obsessed obsessed um, i love a coming out. of age movie so i'll have to watch it you would love it four friends over a summer a lot ha- happens a lot goes down came Ooh. out in the 90s so good love it love that okay number eight what is a yearly staple you have to watch it like once a year oh my gosh i put three movies down and one of them is the prince i did put the princess diaries yes <laughs> so i did put it on my list princess diaries if you haven't seen that movie everybody it's cl- it's just truly julie gem. andrews julie andrews i mean truly a gem okay i have two more Anne hathaway Anne hathaway i mean ugh. i have two more um little women 2019 version so is- good I, I really do watch it multiple times a year, and I never get sick of it. I mean, Saoirse Ronan, I just can't. I can't. Okay, it's so and then good. The Parent Trap, Lindsay Lohan version. Yay! Is truly a masterpiece. Like, I, it's just a feel-good. <laughs> I a love feel it. Good. Never get tired of that. Okay. My, oh, my sorry, answer is that it's, it's a tradition started by my mom, uh, we watch the six-hour Pride and Prejudice BBC version <gasps> yes. at least once a year. Okay, I've and heard the BBC version is good, but I've never, I've only seen the Kira Knightley version. N- I've never seen no, the you got it. You got to invest your like qu- like quarter of a day. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's so good. It's so and it's very very true to the novel, and I often end up quoting it to my mom, um, oh. <laughs> like. It's great. I it's so it's such a good like memories of doing that, especially like when I was in high school and it would be like a snow day and then we'd like watch Pride and Prejudice. Oh, uh, I need to watch that version. I've heard that version is so good. Um so good. Okay, favorite classic movie. Just like one that'll go down in history as a classic. Uh, you know what? Honestly, you mentioned It's a Wonderful Life and that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind when you oh, asked yeah. this question is like Good black and white movie. I've mentioned this before in our Christmas episode. It got like a tear. It was it did terrible right out of like release, but it has like grown to acclaim. I just I think it's really sweet. I love uh like the the whole lasso the moon thing and yeah. I don't know. It's it it is kind of like a feel good movie. It is. It is. Um, mine is not like really old. You know, I mean, it, it came out in the 60s, I think. So I don't know if people were like, that's not a classic. I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 60s Oh, one. so good. I Obsessed. love that version. I just love it. I love the book. It's my favorite children's book. Um, and the Oompa Loompa songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny They're times. good. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite fantasy film. Favorite fantasy. So I'm not super... It's really funny. I watch a lot of fantasy TV and a lot of TV with magical stuff. But, like, as far as film go, I don't watch that many. But I put uh, a few. So I did really... I liked the one, the new Wonder Woman. Uh, not the newest one, but the first... The Wonder Woman that came out in, like, 2018, maybe? or I don't know that I've maybe? even seen it. Um, It was good. It was good. Like, not my fave, but honestly, I just don't watch a whole lot of those kind of movies. So I was having a hard time with this question. I think another one, it, I don't know if you would count this as fantasy or not, but it has magic in it. I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan. I just love oh, it. Oh, cute. Um, so I put. I know that's not really maybe what you were looking for for this answer, but <laughs> I didn't really have a great one. No, I was just going to rattle off a bunch just because I really like fantasy movies and like so does my whole yeah. family. So we, we watched a lot of them, but um, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy. Love that. Um, I know that lots of people love Guardians, but yeah. Anyway, Ant-Man, because Paul Rudd is such a good actor and I love... I love Ant-Man, and uh, the sequel was even better, in my opinion. Uh, I, like, (laughs) I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but, like, January of 2020, I made it a goal to watch, like, all 20-whatever Marvel movies, and I did it, and I was really... that's amazing. (laughs) Really impressed with myself. So I did catch up on all of the Marvel stuff, but um, I also really like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Hilarious. Such Mm -hmm. a funny movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. I haven't. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. Any more? That's, that's, okay, that's, that's where I'll stop. That's where you'll stop? Okay. And then the last one is just your favorite movie of all time. What is it? I don't know. I think for years I have, I've always said, like, you've got mail, and I think that's another kind of, like, yearly staple for me. Um, it's just so good. It's just such it's a so good, good It's so good. But I good. also, I like, agree. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty has to go up there. It's, like, the only serious movie okay. I've mentioned this whole time, but it's, like... Oh, okay. It, it was, like, written and directed and acted in by, like, Ben Stiller, and I didn't realize what what a good writer he was, so... Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like I said, I love animation, and Anastasia is one of my faves, but no, my favorite of all time, nothing will beat it, I don't think... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and oh, I've s- have you seen it? I've I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. Uh, like it makes me sound like I'm trying to like be cool or be a hipster or whatever when I say it, but I am not even kidding. Like I've never seen anything that I think is more brilliant than that. Like I'm just in awe every time I watch it of the brilliance. Wow. Like it never it never ceases to wow me. Even even though I've seen it like a million times, I'm still like jaw-dropping during it because it's just oh and it's so moving oh it's so good so anyway that's awesome (laughs) well i'll have to watch it now oh we have so many on our lists we have to watch of each other's wow yeah well we have so many we'll just have to have like one giant movie night if only we lived in the same space that was fun yeah we want to do like an even longer episode of just like our favorite things one day wink wink hint hint maybe (laughs) 
Nice um, hand. <laughs> that would be fun. But yeah, I think uh, I, that's that's the end. Any more? Anything else to say? Just plug in our plug our website, our socials. We already did that at the beginning yep, a little bit, I think. But. We totally did. But we hope that you guys have a really exciting start of your May. Yay! Yay May! Happy Yay, May! May. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Talk to you later, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.